Hello, so recently on my blog, or one of my blogs, I addressed the core question, can democracy exist without rights? So I went on to answer that like this. It depends on how we define democracy. The classic definition of democracy is where people can vote to decide laws and policies, either directly or by electing representatives. However, both realistically and in theory, Majoritarianism might let people vote to, de to deprive substantial portions of rights from segments of a population. So yes, in a fragmented and contradictory sense, some approximation of democracy can exist, wherein some people are deprived of even basic rights. And, you know, I go on to discuss the issue more on that uh, response. But here I do want to make a few other things clear. I've, I do think that that is still not democracy. You know, that's my opinion. It's not true democracy. Interestingly enough, some people find representative democracy to be disappointing. In 2019, Pew Research found that, quote, in the 12 countries most dissatisfied with democracy, majorities said the statement, elected officials care what ordinary people think, does not describe elected officials well. So again, that's Pew Research. So I'm of the view that if you don't have substantive rights that cannot be ignored, then you don't really have substantive rights at all. This is where a sense of justice and the pursuit of equality come into play. If that sounds too much like a far-left talking point or whatever, recall that Thomas Jefferson himself stated that all men are created equal. In order to be truly equal, one must be recognized as a person of equal standing before the law. Also, the UN's Universal Declaration of Human Rights states, all are equal before the law and are entitled without any discrimination to equal protection of the law. Justice, in, a, in essence, is that idea which, of course, was famously also suggested in Martin Luther King Jr.'s I Have a Dream speech. So once that is established, then society is free to seek to solve any possible injustice. Uh, you, you have also addressed the basic question of what is justice, if you're, you know, applying those standards. So where does voting come into play? In any given situation, there may be more than one appropriate solution, depending on the logistics and issues. Hence, people may vote, but voting is just one possible element of democracy, and in my opinion, it's not the most important aspect. It is an optional process, certainly no more important than justice. In fact, if voting is not conducive to justice, then it's sort of defeating the main or one of the main points of democracy. In fact, if you are to vote at all, it should be to create the most just and practical outcome. And in fact, some decisions should not even be put to a vote if one of the options is plainly unjust. This is where, in practical terms, the application of not only concepts like law, but elementary logic come into play. And uh, certain, again, this is my opinion, certain concepts ought to supersede law. 
if there was a vote for others to simply destroy you or anyone like you, would you be pleased with a society that puts your life on the line in such a way? Obviously not. You would not be in favor of those kinds of decisions. So, of course, voting is not as important to you as, you know, simply being able to survive. This is why fairness and checks and balances matter so much, and the danger is not just for other people. If you get rid of checks and balances on power, even within the context of voting, you too can ultimately end up a victim of blind, irrational prejudice, perhaps in the phony name of democracy and freedom. Life has many choices, but justice, from a theoretical or physical, actionable perspective, is only one of them. Many of history's self-professed winners did not win through just means, but through brute force and illegitimate conquering. Perhaps you think good always triumphs over evil, but that's actually, in my opinion, a childlike expectation, which has little to do with actual history or current events and all of the risks involved that come with force, including the power of the state. And only the most idealistic among us would maintain that any given particular state is idealistic. But even if we accept that sense of justice and equality as the ultimate and most effective solution, it doesn't imply it does not imply that people need absolute political rights to achieve it. Fortunately, Fortunately, we do not need to live in a perfect world to create improvements, and we may inch our way closer to a greater sense of justice. Uh, philosopher Thomas Hobbes famously began his work Leviathan by describing the state of nature, as he called it, under absolute freedom, where there would be, quote, continued fear and danger of violent death and the life of man is solitary, poor, nasty, brutish, and short. Therefore, the state must be involved so we may cede some of our rights and to create laws and to prevent a war of all against all. However, in my opinion, his crucial misstep is to consider unrelenting hardship as the inherent state of nature or to depict it as some absolute freedom. To imply that a terrible life under a brutal onslaught of some sort is the only option under nature, or the primary one, is like suggesting every rain is a flood, or that one can only go swimming to be attacked by sharks. You know, unfortunate events are not the only imaginable experience, even if one is in a relatively chaotic situation. I think social life can offer some positive outcomes, with or without the participation of government. It's actually the absence of freedom being described by Hobbes, or a state of direct peril, or, of, or maybe in some cases indirect peril. But nevertheless, it's not the only <laughs> aspect of so-called freedom. And I believe Hobbes is intending to make one fearful of any kind of life without the almighty state. It's an emotionally charged argument, in my opinion, based on superstition and stereotype, and it's an intentionally limited and fearful definition of freedom. I think meaningful freedom is the absence of threats and the opportunity to live as one sees fit.
The more you have people living lives in that manner, the more natural and normal their lives will feel. More to the point, it is possible to live comfortably without having some almighty state throwing its weight around, just as we can live safely in a city or town without it being run by a mob family or, you know, some equivalent. In fact, it's my view that with or without a powerful state government, a given community could still have some basic health and safety guidelines in place. If it is effectively organized, and if such a culture is in place. Safety and comfort can come from all sorts of organizations, rather than solely through the government or, of course, corporations, as we so often see in a modern economy. In fact, too much reliance on politicians and corporations can, will, and has ruined some people's lives, and I find it practical to challenge over-reliance on the majesty of the state or of the free market as some ultimate solution. Quite simply, we know it's not. Unless we're fools who refuse to learn from history's tragic mistakes or who, you know, haven't witnessed the shortcomings of the world as it actually exists. And sometimes willful acts of law and order have created destruction Hobbes laughably took his basic premise off the rails, suggesting that only through the power of the state can we have peace and more legitimate outcomes. However, one needn't be an anarchist or a radical of any other kind to see that government-crafted outcomes are not inherently legitimate or just, and they can, at times, make existence considerably nastier, more brutish, and short. I mean, just look at war and slavery, for example. And I assure you, I'm not merely giving empty-headed, radical talking points here. The point is not simply to bash the government. It's simply this. Just as people are not guaranteed a comfortable, safe, and just life, life without government, they're not guaranteed safety and security with one. It's almost as if Hobbes and social contract theorists in general or doing more to expose their own prejudices and preconceptions about the power and glory of government than elucidating any actual science. In other words, it's not as simple as government is good or government's bad, but whether the arrangement maximizes just survivable outcomes for those involved. The arrangement must serve the, those interests if it is worthwhile as a thing to defend. Rights would need to be on top of it to protect the basic premise that all humans are born free and equal. And I think anything less is anything less. So, hopefully you enjoyed what I have to say here. Um, personally, I think I hit the nail on the head, but you know, I'm sure there, there are people who will disagree with anything. Um, no matter how plain I, I say things or how reasonable it is. There's always someone who will disagree. But anyway, that's my opinion. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed it. Hopefully it gave you some food for thought. And either way, have a good day.